Thanks for joining us on the Southside Church Podcast. We seek to build real followers of Jesus, so we hope that you find this message both encouraging and insightful. Let's jump in. Welcome to Southside Online. Thank you so much for being a part of this day with us as we talk about what it means to follow me. Me? No, not me, not me, but Jesus. Jesus made this statement in Luke 9, 23, the gospel of Luke, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, when he said, if you wanna be my disciple, this is what I need you to do. You need to deny yourself, pick up your cross daily, and then come and follow me. It's a great call from Jesus. It's an invitation from Jesus to enter a life like you've never known. A life of walking with him, experiencing him, giving more and more of yourself to him so that you can experience more and more of him back in and through your life. Our desire here at Southside, we say our mission is to build real followers of Jesus Christ. We believe that relationships encourage action that lead to life change. And so we believe our relationships here lead us to action, but more importantly, it's our relationship here with the one who gave himself for us, the one who created us and made us, breathed air into us, and we became living beings that help us live the very best life we possibly can. It's his design, not ours. It's his. And that mission of building real followers of Jesus leads us to a vision. The vision is we want to make it real easy to go to heaven from right here where we are. And so as we talk about what it means to be a disciple, what it means to truly follow Jesus, today I want to talk to you about the cost of it. What does it cost? What is the cost of following Jesus? What does it mean to count that cost and follow the cross? Well, the lives we've got to see of the first disciples were great examples for us. If you're inquisitive and interested in what it means to follow Christ or you're just wanting to deepen your faith and and, and experience more of him in your life, then it's great for us to look at the lives of the first disciples. Why? Because their lives redefine risk and they set the standard for sacrifice. See, if you're gonna be a follower of Christ, then it's gonna involve risk and it's gonna involve sacrifice. And the lives of the first disciples redefine risk and set the standard for sacrifice. By comparison today, and this is true, at least it is for my life, many of our risks seem tame. And many of our sacrifices look rather lame. And so there is a difference between being a convert and being a disciple. A convert is a person who makes a decision. A convert is where we all begin. It is a place where we accept the grace of God and the gift of Jesus Christ and his salvation into our life. We all begin at the same place, at conversion. But that is not where God wants us to stay. It is not just about a decision that we make and then go about our own lives, doing our own thing, making our own choices, living life the best way we know how. That's the way people see that. But it's not. It is a, it is a life of, 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 yes, saying yes to Jesus, giving my life to him, conversion, and then it's the process of discipleship. And this is what that looks like. A disciple is someone who desperately seeks to be like Jesus. A person who desperately 
with everything that they have, desperately seeks to be like Jesus. They make his mission their mission. They make his values their values. His plans their plans. In other words, they go all in. You see, salvation means coming to the cross and trusting Jesus. That's, that's what salvation is. It, is. it is finding yourself at the cross of Jesus Christ and trusting him for your forgiveness for your sin and then for eternal life. That is salvation, coming to the cross and trusting Jesus. Discipleship is different. Discipleship means carrying the cross and following Jesus. If salvation is coming to the cross and trusting Jesus, that's salvation. Discipleship is then carrying that cross and following Jesus. That's the difference between the two. Why? Because Jesus offers grace without condition, but he doesn't offer it without expectation. The story today that we find ourselves in is in Luke chapter 14. And Jesus has been in the house of a Pharisee, a religious leader in that day. And Jesus is now leaving this house and there's a massive group of people that are now following him. And Jesus understands that most of them are following him for the wrong reasons. They're following him because of the miracles that he's performed the food that he has provided, the wonders that they have seen, some of them are following him just because of the, 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 the thought of maybe a, a, an encounter with a Pharisee or some, just the turmoil and the, just the, the, the thrill of the moment. And then others are hoping that he's gonna be the one to overthrow the Roman government and establish the Jewish nation as a reigning empire over all the world. And so Jesus stops He stops where he is and he turns around and he addresses this massive crowd with a message that completely thins out the ranks. So many people after this moment turned away from following him. And so we see that in this moment, that when it comes to saving souls, Jesus wants his house to be full. But when it comes to discipleship, he wants those who are willing to pay the price because it's always gonna cost us something if we choose to follow Jesus. And so today, the question is, are you willing to pay the price? Are you willing to pay the price? Because if you are, You've got to understand that you can't just love him some, you have to love him the most. In Luke chapter 14, verse number 25, this is what Jesus said. The writer, Luke, he said, now great crowds were traveling with him. And so he turned and he said to them, if anyone comes to me and does not hate his own father and mother, wife and children, brothers and sisters, yes, and even his own life. He cannot be my disciple. <laughs> I mean, what a statement. What a statement. We live in a world today where there, there's just so much turmoil and so many problems, and, and, and really, you can look and say there's so much hate and, and there is a message that we will see, especially in our country. It's a, it's a, it's a, it's a, 
It's a, it's a combative message, one of, of, of hate and anger and, and violence and, and all of these things. And the other message is, is unity, it's love, it's peace. And so one is a message where hate is on, is on display. The other is a message of peace and, and it's combating it. And so they're fighting together. And so to hear a statement like this would be a turnoff for many people today. It would be a place to where people would go, yeah, see, see, yeah, yeah, that's, that's right. See, hate, that's what, that's what Christianity is. That's what those Christians are. It's a, it's, a, it's a place of hate where they tell us what we do wrong and, and they, they put us down and they do this and they do that. Today's message, I, I called it ifs and buts. And uh, I, I've got a statement that I'll use sometimes that says, if, 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 if ifs and buts were candy and nuts, we'd all have a Merry Christmas. Because, you know, we've all got ifs and buts in our life. If this happened, or, or I would do this, but. If this, I would do this, or if this happened, but. You know, we, we, we use ifs and buts to make excuses in our life of why we won't do certain things. When it comes to following Christ, we're full of them. We've got all kinds of things. I want to do a series one day that's called Bring Your Butt to Church. <laughs> Bring your B-U-T. I would go to church, but. I would follow Christ, but. I would serve. I would give. I would do this, but. We've all got ifs and buts in our life that keep us from experiencing the life, the calling, the, 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 the relationship that the creator of the universe and the savior of your soul wants to have with you. And so Jesus makes this statement. You gotta understand, Jesus will say things to people in hopes that they would stay long enough to hear the meaning. And here he turns and he looks at them and says, if anyone comes to me and does not hate his own father and mother, wife and children, brothers and sisters, and even his own life, he cannot be my disciple. So who's gonna stay? <laughs> Who's gonna, who's gonna hang around after he says something like this? I mean, what's the meaning behind it? I mean, that's, that's what we wanna see here is, 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 what is what is he trying to say? Well, this is very simply this. The word hate in this verse doesn't mean to hate with anger or with this intense hatred or dislike of someone. What Jesus is saying here is if anyone comes to me and does not love me more, then all of these other relationships and even their own life, he cannot be my disciple. See, 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 we can't just, if we're gonna be willing to pay the price, we can't just be willing to love him some, we've gotta be willing to love him most. The word hate means to love less than. Love less than. When Jesus is turned around and he's addressing this crowd, he's addressing them saying, I want you to love me the most. More than any other relationship, I'm, I'm, I'm calling you. If you don't love me more than all of these other things, it doesn't mean that you love these things any, any less than what you love them. It's that your love of God far surpasses all other relationship, even in your own life. You see, when do we start believing that Jesus wants us to love him some? and live safe, easy lives. When do, when do we start to believe that? That we just, we just, that Jesus just wants us, just wants to be a part of our life. He just wants to be a part of, of you and what you've got going on. And, and, it, and, and he's here to help us live some kind of a safe or easy life. So you gotta be willing to pay the price 
Jesus doesn't just want us to love him some, he wants us to love him most. Second thing, we can't just follow the rules. We have to follow him. See, a lot of times we look at Christianity as a, as a, as a rule religion and we want to follow the rules. As a matter of fact, most religions are that way. There's a set of rules that you have to follow so that God will be pleased with you. But Christianity is not like that. It's a relationship. And we can't just follow the rules. We have to follow him. Jesus goes on to say, he says, whoever does not bear his own cross and come after me cannot be my disciple. If you're not willing to bear your own cross and come after him, you can't be his disciple. He says, what does it mean to carry the cross? It means a daily identification with Jesus. It means a denial of self. It means a determination to serve him no matter what. A cross is something that we willingly accept in order to serve God with our entire life. It is something that is permanently attached to us. Jesus said, if you want to be my disciple, you got to deny yourself. You got to love me most above all things. You got to pick up your cross daily. It is something that is attached to us. It is about denial. It is about, it is about a daily identification and a determination to follow God no matter what, anything less than complete surrender of our life to the lordship of Jesus Christ, anything less than that is robbing God of the glory that he deserves. You see, Jesus didn't die to keep us safe. Jesus died to make us dangerous. I think we miss that in Christianity today. We think that Christianity is some kind of weak, safe, tame, uh, mild, meek religion. But it's not. Jesus didn't come to this earth, live a perfect life, die on a cross so that you and I would be safe. He died so that we would be dangerous and not in a way that hurts people, but in a way that leads a movement that transforms people and changes the world. Not for the bad, but for the good. See, we can't just, if we're gonna pay the price, we can't just love Jesus some, we've gotta love him the most. We can't just follow the rules, we've gotta follow him. If we're gonna pay the price, we can't just do nothing wrong, we have to do something right. Jesus begins to talk about not just what it means to follow the cross, but now we've gotta count the cost. He gives an illustration and he says, for which of you, which of you wanting to build a tower doesn't first sit down and calculate the cost to see if he has enough to complete it? Which of you, if you were gonna build a house, would not first sit down and count the cost to see if you have the money, the material, the manpower to accomplish it? You can't go to a bank today and say, yeah, I want to build a house. Well, well who's your builder? Uh, me, I guess. What experience do you have? None. You know, well, where's your plans? Don't have any. You know, well, how much money do you need? I don't know. I think I need this. I don't know of a bank that's going to give you a loan for that, for that kind of plan. Jesus said, if you're going to build a house, wouldn't you first sit down and calculate the cost to see if he has enough to complete it. Well, a lot of times we'll use this reference to us. This isn't a reference to us. This is a reference to him. 
He's the builder of the tower. He's the one that builds the house. We are his church. He's the one that's building the structure. And so God first sits down and he calculates the cost to see if he has enough money, materials, manpower to complete it. The question is not, are we the ones building the house? The question is, are we the right material with which he can build? Are we the right kind of material that God can use to build the house? And so what that means for us today is is Christianity is not about just doing nothing wrong. Christianity is about doing something right. And, and, And here he can't, Jesus can't get the job done with half-hearted believers. This is not about a half-hearted commitment and a call. This is about giving yourself to the one who wants to build something for all of eternity. It's saying yes to being a part of that. It is being a part of his building process, him working in you so that then he can work through you. And so we can't do that with half-hearted commitment And so today, I want you to understand you are the right kind of material with which God can build on, with which God can build with because he made you. He made you with his purpose. He made you with his air. He made you with his strength and his ability to accomplish what he's called you to do. And so here we see this. He says, otherwise, after he has laid the foundation and cannot finish it, all the onlookers will begin to make fun of him. People, if you're trying to build a house but you don't have the right material, the money, or the, or, or the, or the manpower, people are gonna make fun of you because you set out to do something but you didn't count the cost. Jesus said, they'll say this man started to build and he wasn't able to finish. See, the will of God isn't an insurance plan. The will of God is a daring plan. The will of God is a strategy, a desire, a a, a move from this place to this place that doesn't just help you to arrive safely at a destination. It's a plan of adventure that opens the door for us to a life like we've never known. Jesus in this moment was looking at people who were following him for a variety of reasons. The truth is, there was only a few. There were only a few that were following him for the right reasons. There was only a few that didn't just love him a little. They were willing to love him most. They weren't just willing to follow the rules. They were willing to follow him. They didn't just want to do nothing wrong. They wanted to do something right. They had bought into the plan. And it was not an insurance plan, it was a daring plan. If you're gonna be willing to pay the price, you can't just play defense. You gotta play offense. Jesus gives another example. The first was a stone, now he's talking about a soldier. He says, what king going to war against another king will not first sit down and decide if he is able with 10,000 to oppose the one who comes against him with 20,000? Again, Jesus, we are not the king. Jesus is the king, the king of kings and lord of lords. He's sitting down, and what is he doing? He's counting the cost. He's looking at the numbers. He's looking at this, and he's saying, do I have, what it, do I have the, the things necessary to accomplish the task? He says, if not, while the others 
while the other is still far off, he'll send a delegation and ask for terms of peace because if he doesn't have enough to win, he's no point in going to war. He says, in the same way, therefore every one of you who does not say goodbye to all of his possessions cannot be my disciple. Okay, so first of all, you want me to hate all of my family, even my own self. You want me to practice self-denial and pick up my cross and attach something to me permanently, which does not sound fun nor easy. And now he wants me to sell everything that I've got to be his disciple. You see, faithfulness isn't holding down the fort. Faithfulness is storming the gates of hell. Faithfulness isn't just, it isn't just holding something down. It's not just about playing defense. Jesus didn't save you to play defense with your life, to keep you from sinning or just to, to keep you from, from being a bad person or to keep you from doing this or that. Jesus saved you to advance his kingdom. And for far too long, we as Christians and we as the church have spent time and, and effort holding down the fort rather than storming the gates of hell. Jesus said he doesn't just want us to follow the cross. He wants us to count the cost. If you're willing to pay the price, you can't just play defense, you gotta play offense. And finally, we can't just serve him a little. We have to go all in. He talks about being a stone. He talks about being a soldier. And now he talks about being salt. He says, now salt is good. But if salt should lose its taste, how will it be made salty? See, our salt today is pure. It, it doesn't lose its flavor. It doesn't lose its preservative power. Salt in this day was impure, meaning that it could lose its flavor. It could lose its preserving power. And, and when it did, all it was is it was just good for nothing. You just threw it out and it was trampled on in the streets. He said, "How? what good is it if it loses its taste and its purpose? He said, it isn't fit for the soil or for the manure pile. They throw it out, and he says, anyone who has ears to hear, he should listen. See, part of salt in that day, it was, it was a purifying agent. It added flavor to things, and it was an antiseptic. It could kill infection. And, and, and it was so valuable that, that some of the salary for a soldier was paid in salt, which that's where we get the term or the saying, he isn't worth his salt. Salt speaks to our character. It's the character of an individual. Today we'll use, we'll use salt in a negative way. He's salty, he's angry, he's agitated, he's irritable. But for us, salt in the biblical sense means something entirely different. In Hebrews 11, we see a cast of, of, of people, characters that are real life people that live this life for Jesus. And we see these are people that had salt in their character. 
See, when Jesus calls us, we invite him into our life. When we say, Jesus, save me, that's, that's only step one of the process. Step two is where we take that, that experience, that moment, and then allow God to transform our life through discipleship and a journey with him. See, salvation is coming to the cross. Discipleship is carrying that cross. If if you're going to be willing to pay the price, you can't just love him some, you have to love him most. It's not just about following the rules, it's about following him. It's not about doing nothing wrong, it's about doing something right. It's not just about playing defense, it's about playing offense. It's not just about serving him a little. It's about going all in with my life. You see, the complete surrender of your life to Jesus Christ, it isn't radical. This is normal. It's normal. We've taken something that Jesus meant to be normal, and we've made it abnormal. We've made it radical. And God said, there's nothing radical at all about this. I gave my life for you. Now, you give your life to me. Even saying that that way makes me go, oh, how can I say that differently? Because it seems so radical. God never intended it to mean that way or sound that way. It was meant to be normal. See, you didn't invite Jesus to follow you. He invited you to follow him. We've taken the gospel and we've inverted it. We've turned it around and we are inviting Jesus to come and bless what we're doing. Jesus said, you got to deny that and leave that. You got to come be a part of what I'm doing. See, if you have the courage to completely surrender yourself to the Lordship of Christ, there's simply no telling what God will do in you and through you. See, today, quit living as if the purpose of life is to arrive safely at death. Instead, know this, you are are only one decision away from what could be a totally different life. Jesus said, do you want to be my disciple? It's an invitation. It's an invitation that brings imitation. That says, if that's what you want to be, then you've got to deny yourself. You've got to pick up your cross. And you've got to follow me. Because I'm going to eternal life. And this is the way. And if you want to go to Come and let me show you the way. One decision today. Instead of the ifs and buts, make one decision today that could absolutely lead you to a totally different life. The question is, what is that decision? Is it opening the Bible for the first time? 
Is it stepping into the church for the first time or maybe the first time in a long time? Is it falling on your knees and asking the God of heaven to take hold of your heart and your life and completely surrender it over to him? What does it look like for you? And your answer to that question will determine everything about what you experience. Let me pray for you today. Father God, today I thank you for every person that's watching and every person that is contemplating what to do next. However you lead them today to a personal salvation decision with you and if that's what you wanna do, the Bible says to simply call on the name of Jesus, repent, ask for forgiveness for your sin and step into a new life with him. Lord, from there, to opening their Bible for the first time, to stepping in the church, to getting involved in a new life with you. Everyone has a yes today, Lord. And would you lead them, not just to say yes, but to take the steps that turn that yes into reality, into experiencing the power of God in and through their life. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you for joining us today. May God bless you and be with you. I hope to see you again real soon. If you made that decision today to say, yes, I do want to choose Jesus. I do want to acknowledge him as my personal Lord and Savior. Congratulations. We could not be more excited for you. And we want to help you in that process and answer any questions that you might have and provide you resources. To do that, simply text Jesus, that's J-E-S-U-S, to 706-449-0870. And one of our pastors on staff will be in touch with you because we want to help you as you walk out your faith. If you thought, you know what, I would like to contribute to all that God is doing in and through Southside. I would like to partner with them. You can do that in three simple ways. First, you can text GIVE, G-I-V-E, to 706-449-0870. Secondly, you can do it on the Southside app in the GIVE tab. Lastly, Southside.online. You can do it through the GIVE section on our website. Thank you so much for being here with us today, and we hope you have a great rest of your week.